Good morning, I'm Gianna. I'm the Associate Rector here at Church of the Incarnation. I want to welcome you, especially if you're joining us for the first time. We're really delighted to have you with us this morning. Follow me. Follow me. Growing up, my family would take a short vacation from the hot, humid bayous of South Louisiana, and we would trek up to the Buffalo River in northern Arkansas, which I now know is also hot and humid. (laughs) And one summer, we were hiking along the river, and we came to an opening, a kind of clearing, over a cliff that looked down into the river. And that cliff edge, I, I can't remember how high it was, maybe 15 feet at the time, it felt like 100 feet. And my dad, who is a risk junkie, looked at my siblings and I and said, I'll see you at the bottom. And he ran and jumped off the cliff and somersaulted into the water. And so we looked at each other, trying to sort out how we were to follow. Because even if we went back the way we came, we would not enter the spot that he was. The only way to follow was to jump. And so each of my siblings and I that were present there that day, one by one, some of us with more trepidation than others, we jumped. And it turns out that following often involves going places that you did not intend to go and entrusting the one you follow. Follow me. We are in the season of epiphany, a season of revelation, a season where our eyes are newly opened to what God is up to in Jesus. And the reason we need an epiphany is because we cannot come to this revelation on our own. Our eyes must be open. We need God to open our eyes. And last week, we heard that this invitation to revelation often begins with an invitation to come and see. Come and see what God is up to in Jesus. And on the heels of this revelation to come and see is another invitation. And that invitation is to come and follow Today we pick up our reading in Mark's gospel, and you will notice that if you stick around here for a while that our readings follow a three-year cycle through the gospels. You have to stick around for at least, three, at least four years to catch, catch the rhythm there. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And for this year, St. Mark will be our guide, and last year it was Matthew, and next year it will be St. Luke. St. John doesn't get his own year, but he's sprinkled in throughout, as we heard last week. And so just to give a little context to frame not only our text for today, but the whole of Mark's gospel, 
Mark is the shortest and the sharpest of the Gospels. There's a kind of urgency in his writing. Immediately comes up again and again and again in Mark's Gospel. Immediately Jesus did this or that. Immediately the disciples respond in this way or that. It's like you're sound asleep and somebody bursts into the room and says, wake up and pour some water on your head for good measure. This is the mood of Mark's gospel. It's concise and straightforward and it can be refreshing if we are ready to receive it. And our reading today is an example of just that. We are just in verse 14 of the, of the whole gospel, and we are re- already at the point of Jesus' public ministry. Mark wastes no time in moving along. There are no accounts of Jesus' birth in Mark's gospel. His life begins with his baptism. And the verse just before our reading for today Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and after that, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast. Now, I don't know about you, but 40 days in the wilderness with Satan and a wild beast do not sound like a good time. So coming out of the wilderness, he checks his text messages, and he comes to know that John the Baptist, his cousin, has been arrested. So it's in this context, the wilderness, Satan, the wild beast, and the arrest of his cousin, that Jesus enters Galilee proclaiming good news. And this is where we pick up the story today. And this is what Jesus says. This is the proclamation of good news in verse 14. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And we might first just ask ourselves, what is this good news? And in this initial proclamation from Jesus, we hear the time is fulfilled. And Jesus is talking about himself, that something is happening in Jesus that has not happened before. And that what God has been up to all along in human history is coming to fruition in Jesus In Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. And our situation is no longer hopeless. That God is recreating the world in and through Jesus. And that looks like overcoming forces of evil that want to destroy God's creation. That looks like forgiveness of sins that looks like reconciliation between God and neighbor. Jesus is here, and he is setting the whole world right. And then Jesus names for us what it looks like to respond to this good news. He says, repent and believe in the good news. 
repentance, and belief. And I want to name here that the big thing is what God has done in Jesus. And that repentance and belief are merely responses. These are not pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps kinds of words. God is remaking the world in Jesus. Jesus is naming that reality. This is what is happening. And we can enter in to that reality through responding and repentance and belief. Repentance and belief are foundational practices and they are ongoing practices for those who would follow Jesus. They are practices that we don't grow out of, that we don't mature out of. They are the ways we acknowledge the reality of the kingdom of God. They are ongoing responses to the kingdom that God is bringing about in Jesus Christ. Now some of us, I would say many of us, are here this morning and we are familiar with this good news. We are familiar with words like repentance and belief. We are so familiar with them that they have become limp from overhandling, like the velveteen rabbit, right? That's lost whiskers and eyes and lots of stuffing. And it just kind of conforms to whoever's arm it's leaning over. And after a while, you don't even have to hold the velveteen rabbit anymore. You just throw it over your shoulder and go about your business. And that's how you know that the message and these words have lost its power, the capacity to leap out from your arms and take you places that you did not intend to go. Repentance in response to Jesus is an active, ongoing response. Repentance is about changing direction. It's about going the other way. Repentance is about following Jesus. It's about who you follow. And it's the starting point and also the ongoing response of those who follow Jesus. And it's necessary to participate in the kingdom that Jesus is announcing because this kingdom is an altogether different kind of kingdom. It's a different system of power than the ones that we are familiar with. It's an upside down kingdom, a kingdom of light and peace, of healing and forgiveness. And changing direction, changing course is necessary to participate in this kingdom the second response to this kingdom is belief. And belief is not, in this context, like arbitrary faith in the universe. It's not even merely like a mental assent to a certain set of ideas. In this context, belief is a radical trust in the person of Jesus, the one who calls into existence that which does not exist. It's turning from trusting in whatever we are trusting in to trusting in Jesus and reordering our lives around him. 
And I wonder what we are putting our trust in today. I wonder what it is that we are ordering our lives around. Follow me. And then after this proclamation of good news, Jesus passes along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they're fishing. And this is not an early morning Saturday fish. This is their job. This is their vocation. This is what they do day in and day out. This is their livelihood. And Jesus calls them, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately, they left their nets, and they follow him. Peter and Andrew hear these words from Jesus, and they repent and believe. And that looks like dropping their nets and putting one foot in front of the other and following Jesus. Repentance and belief are not abstractions. And we see in their initial response to this good news, this pattern of repentance and belief. But for those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, Peter follows in this moment, but he enters into this very long journey of following that's punctuated by uncertainty. It's punctuated by doubt and denial, and at some point finally enters deep and mature trust in Jesus. But following Jesus is one foot in front of the other. He doesn't go from dropping his nets to becoming the rock on which the church is built. Following Jesus is lots of turning. It's lots of repenting. It's ongoing trust each day, realigning our lives with what is true about what God is doing in the world in Jesus. And then Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. They don't actually change their vocation here. They're still fishermen, but their vocation is reimagined in light of the kingdom of God, in light of what God is doing in Jesus. This text is actually not a call to some like professional ministry. This text is a call to follow Jesus wherever you are, in whatever vocation you are in, in the vocation of teaching, in the vocation of parenting, in the vocation of, nurture, of nursing, whatever that vocation is, you are called to reimagine it in light of Jesus. That's what it is to follow. And then Jesus goes a little further down and he sees another set of brothers, James and John, who are also fishermen. And immediately he calls them and immediately they left their father and their boat and the hired men and they follow him. And one of the things that's so striking about this text is that these four men just walk away. They just stop whatever they're doing and they follow, and there's no indication in the text of hesitation or of concern. 
that there is something so captivating about what they're going towards that there's not concern about what is being left behind. This is an epiphany moment about Jesus, that whoever this person is, he is worth following immediately without concern. There is something about this good news that we see in these texts that demand like a definitive response to follow or not to follow. And really that call is presented to us this morning. And some of us are here this morning and we have not yet responded to that call. And the invitation stands from Jesus, follow me. And some of us are here and we have responded no in the past. I cannot or I will not follow. And we are called again this morning, follow me. And many of us are here this morning and we have responded yes to that call. But some of us have come up against situations in our lives maybe not so different than Peter, where that following or that trust has been put to the test. Maybe the faith that we once had is no longer sufficient for the world we inhabit. Or maybe we have experienced loss or suffering and we cannot be sure that Jesus is worth trusting. Or maybe we are not sure that we are willing to be led to places that we do not intend to go. But regardless of where we are this morning, the invitation stands for us. Follow me, one foot in front of the other. Through the retelling of this story, the Lord Jesus Christ has arranged a meeting between him and you this morning. And he is calling to you, follow me. And that following involves turning from whatever you are putting your trust in and turning and trusting in Jesus. And that following involves a radical trust in him wherever it is that he might lead. Follow me. Amen.